The reading is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 1 to 44. The death of Lazarus. Now a man named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, This illness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Jesus comforts the sisters of Lazarus. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. 
When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, Jesus said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, By this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen, and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Story, Father, thank you for, for how you're speaking to us, and we are attentive to you. We want to just acknowledge uh, what you're saying to us the multiple ways in which you work. I thank you for this fellowship and for your love for us. Amen. I wonder how do you identify yourself? Perhaps you say, oh, I'm a friend of so-and-so. Do you identify yourself? I say, uh, you know, this is my profession. Um, There's lots of different ways we can identify ourselves um, and it might vary depending on the context. Well, Lazarus here is identified as the brother of Martha and Mary, but he's also identified as the one whom Jesus loves. Now, the writer of John's Gospel, John himself, says he is the one whom Jesus loves. But guess what? Jesus loves more than one person. (laughs) He loves you too. And would you identify yourself as the one whom Jesus loves? Could you do that? Good. Can you believe that you're the one whom Jesus loves? With an amazing, passionate love. Jesus really loved Lazarus. Particular friendship with the family, it would seem. Martha, sister, Lazarus. And uh, very close to them. Now when you hear that a loved one is ill or struggling, what do you do? You probably drop everything to go and see them, don't you? you know, or, or, or if you can't, you do. You just do, you, 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 they're on your mind. You want to be there. Um, but we're told here that Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, and so therefore he stayed where he was two more days. I thought you cared, Lord. I thought you loved him, and yet he stays where he is two more days 
God's timing can frustrate us at times, can't it? He might press the pause button when you want him to go. You might send word to God like they did to Jesus. And yet, there's a waiting game. And in that time, you're thinking, what on earth is God up to? But God knows what he's doing. Just going to embarrass some more people. We've got some lovely friends with us today, Robbie and Barbara. Um, I can recommend them to you. Um, but they're only here for this service. Um, and they're from Welling Garden City. Uh, and uh, they're in Christchurch, they're part of the church there, where Simon Craig is the associate pastor. We know Simon, many of us here. And uh, we've known Robbie and Barbara for over 20 years. We arrived in Welling Garden City and, um, and we... we we got married and we, we got to know Robbie and Barbara and they're wonderful people. Um, we, we thank the Lord for them. And uh, now the church now is thriving, but 20 years ago we had some hiccups, didn't we? We had some interesting times in the church. It's much better now. But, um, but off the back of that, I felt called to be a, a, a pastor out of you know, what wasn't an easy time in the church. And, and yet I went to the panel who interview you and they said no. Well, they didn't say no, they said wait. They say, come back next year. And sometimes you feel God is saying something. You feel a call. feel God is leading you in a certain direction, but it's a wait. It's a pause. God's timing. Might frustrate us, but he knows what he's doing. He's still working in that pause period. So Jesus stays where he is two more days. Now, the disciples, he told them, well, I don't... You know, this illness won't end in death. So maybe they thought, oh, well, it's okay then. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just stay here. And, and, and. But then he says, no, 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 we will go to see Lazarus. So, of course, they're like confused.com. So they're like, oh, but hang on a minute. Why are we going back? Last time they were going to try and kill you, and you want to go back to Judea? Um, and, and, of course, Bethany's just outside Jerusalem. And Jesus knows that this actually will be a one-way journey. He will go to Bethany. He will then go, end up in Jerusalem. And it will mean his death. It is dangerous for him. It's, they're not making it up. It's, it's a real genuine threat. But he says, no, 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 no. Now's the time. Now's the time to work. There's 12 hours of daylight. We've got to go. We've got to do the ministry. And then oh, at night, there won't be chance to. There's, this is the season. It's really important for us to be attentive to the season. What is God saying in this season? Perhaps in my life as an individual, in your life as an individual, what is he saying to us as a church in this season? We won't know unless we're listening, unless we're attentive to him. He says, Lazarus has fallen asleep. Great, he, he, you know, he could use a sleep. That helps. It's often the best thing to do, just sleep. But then he says, no, 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 he's dead. Now that's confusing, because he said, this illness won't end in death. But now Jesus says he's dead. Do you ever get confused by God, what God is doing? <laughs> he said this illness won't end in death, and yet he seems to contradict himself by saying, no, now he's dead. Well, what's, what are you doing, Lord? But of course, we know that that's not the end of the story, but the disciples didn't know that yet. A 
And sometimes people look at what God is doing or they think God isn't doing and they're like, oh, well, I give up. God, you said you were going to do this and then you didn't. And ah, well, I mean, but you see, the story hasn't finished yet. God is still working. When you're reading a novel, what do you do? You just hang on in there. You've got to get to the end of the novel. Don't give up. <laughs> well, if it's rubbish, do, yeah, fine. But you've got to get to the end of the book. Find out, oh, that's what happened. And God's work among us is a story which isn't over yet. And his work in all of our lives isn't over yet. I love the story that Patrick and Debbie shared. No, and it's not over. There's so much more God wants to do. We sometimes say, well, I see it, and we give up on our faith, we walk away, because, well, you said he wouldn't die, and he died. But it's not over yet. So they didn't get it, so he tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. But for your sake, I'm glad he's not there, so that you might believe. Now, it's not that he's playing games with them with Lazarus and with all the people's emotions. And we, find, we know that Jesus loves Lazarus. He's full of compassion. And yet he has a purpose of encouraging faith. Hearing testimonies like we just heard increases faith. God's goal for us is that we might believe. And who we believe in, we're believing in Jesus. He says this illness is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified. It's for God's glory. God's glory doesn't always look like we might expect. And it might be muddy. It might be messy. But this is how God works. Every day. just heard a first-hand testimony of uh, uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Asbury in America. We mentioned it. And just a few weeks back, there was in a university campus, there was a, a very simple sort of chapel worship service, and, and then they just carried on worshiping, carried on praying. And it's the students, young, young people, and um, it just went on, and it went on for weeks, so much so that it was all on YouTube, and then thousands and thousands of people came to Asbury together. But I heard a first-hand testimony, and this guy um, said, I went there, but you could have missed what God was doing. Because we just sat there and it wasn't fancy. There was no celebrity preacher or worship leader. The music was nothing special. It was just, it was actually quite quiet. And he went, he went there, it wasn't even full. He just sat, became overwhelmed with the presence of God. Overwhelmed with a sense of awe, God's glory. But he could have missed it. We can miss the glory of God. We read the whole story, but we didn't read the whole story because after Lazarus is brought from the dead, some people are still saying, oh, no, we've got to put a stop to this. They don't see the glory. We can miss it. But this is for God's glory. And so what do they do? They go back. They go back to see the family. They go back to see Martha and Mary. And Martha, who's the more proactive one, Mary's probably a bit docile. Martha comes out, Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. There's faith there, but it's also, where were you? 
Lord, where were you when we needed you? And if you fold one, a few verses where Mary does come, she says exactly the same thing. Lord, if you've been here, this wouldn't have happened. Our brother wouldn't have died. There's faith, but there's also frustration. Do you ever feel that frustration? Lord, if you'd showed up, our brother wouldn't have died. There's trust. But obviously they don't see what Jesus is really doing. Your brother will rise again. Yeah, I know that. Because they believed in the resurrection. There were the Pharisees and they believed in the resurrection. They were the religious leaders. There were also the Sadducees, but they didn't believe in the resurrection. So they were Sadducees. <laughs> um, that's a really corny preacher's joke, by the way. But I just throw it out there because I can't resist. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, there was a common belief. Yes, we will be resurrected at the last day. But Jesus takes a concept and turns it into a person. He takes what might be sort of just an idea and says, no, it's personal. Why? Because he says, I am the resurrection. God's purpose for you is not that you hold on to concepts like faith or heaven or hell or whatever. God's concept, uh, God's purpose for you is that you're in a relationship. It's with Jesus. It's always personal with God. It's never abstract. Your goodness is running after me. God's goodness is not an abstract concept. God's goodness is seen in the face of Jesus. God's goodness is personal to you and to me. Loves you. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, I believe. I believe you're the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, the chosen one, the Christ, the one coming into the world. I do believe. Let's share that belief. Mary comes out and we see the one who is the chosen one, but he doesn't cruise in super cool like a cowboy or anything like that. When he sees their grieving, their mourning, he too is deeply deeply touched. Jesus wept, we're told. Cried like a baby. So moved. Spirit. And when you feel pain, God feels pain. When you need his compassion, it never runs dry. And the, the, the mourners who've gathered around, see how he loves them. See how he loves his family. They get to the tomb once more deeply moved. Jesus is so okay, so human, but it's God too. <laughs> His emotions. It's, we could say something ridiculous like he's emotionally intelligent, but he's he's the son of God. I've been aware at times of my own lack of compassion. But when you've got Jesus in your life, he can give you compassion even when your own runs dry. 
When you think I'm done, God can take over. He's deeply moved and he's present with them. Yet they have all these questions. Why weren't you here two days ago? Surely it's too late. Surely death has the last laugh. Surely that's the end of it all. But no, because I'm bigger than death, he says. I am the resurrection and I am the life. I'm greater than this. Do you believe this? Death? Well, you know, Lazarus eventually will die again. But you know what? I am the life. And if you believe in me, even though they die, not, not denying the natural process, but even though they die, they by, will live by believing in me, and then ultimately they'll never die. Because life in Jesus is greater than our transitory physical life. And as Jesus confuses his disciples by what seems like riddles, you know, he's asleep. You see, Jesus sees the whole continuum, earth, heaven, it's all connected. He sees something deep in our past and we're reminded of it. He, he knows what the future holds for us. God is beyond time and he's right here right now. And we have our eyes on the thoughts on the physical, we are thinking about this, that and the other. But God is wanting to do an incredibly deep powerful work in you and in me if we'll believe if we'll believe take away the stone uh, in not many days they'll be rolling back the stone of Jesus' own grave but here it's Lazarus take away the stone take away the stone now if you've been dead and in the grave for four days in a hot country. Right? Don't have to go into details of decomposition and all the rest of it. That's the normal, natural thing. Did I not tell you, Jesus says, that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. You can't miss it. But if you believe, you'll see the glory. The glory is framed in deep compassion. The glory is framed in relationship. He's a friend. The glory is framed in Jesus' tears running down his face. Now he then prays, but he says, I don't need to pray. I've been waiting with my father these past days. I know what we're doing. I and the father are one, Jesus says. Look, there's no mystery to me, but I'm praying for your benefit. Sometimes we do that. Do you ever pray those prayers? Lord, I want to thank you. And then it's a little bit of an update for everybody else. Have you ever done that? Well, I hear you doing that. Apparently, things I love. Lord, I want to thank you that last Tuesday I was walking down the street and all that. Well, God knows that already. It's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm being naughty. Sorry. But it's what we do. Jesus does it as well. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I don't need to pray this prayer, but I'm praying this for everybody else. <laughs> funny. Sorry, it's only me that's funny. It's funny. 
I pray this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And then he doesn't pray after that. What does he do? He commands Lazarus to come out. There's no prayer involved. What happened at creation? He speaks to creation. Let there be light. And there was light. He speaks. The word of God is creative. He speaks. And actually often in the healing stories of Jesus in the Gospels, what does he do? He just commands healing. He speaks healing. There's no prayer actually involved. Speaks to the conditions. And what does he do? Lazarus, come out. Three words. In English at least. Three words. Lazarus, come out. Dead man walks out. There was no drama. Well, there was masses of drama, but in the narrative, it's just very short. Dead man comes out, hands and feet wrapped. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. A friend, Pete Carter, came here last summer and he's written a book, Unwrapping Lazarus. That's the name of his book. Jesus doesn't do it himself, but he tells the others, take off the grave clothes. You see, Lazarus got to come forth, but we can't stay in the grave clothes. You and I can't stay in the grave clothes. God's working in us. He wants us to take those off and to go free. To let, um, for us to go. Freedom. Come out. So do you want to see the glory of God? Can we believe that it might even be possible in Pembury? Do we believe that it might just happen in a prayer by the fire exit that you thought was a bit rubbish? Could that be the glory of God? I think it can. What God loves to do is to use the unexpected situations. He's calling us to walk in obedience and we might do it fearfully but because he's in us and because he's with us and he's powerfully working among us we sometimes see the glory of God just in each other but you can't miss it So, Lord, would you open our eyes to see your glory? And we agree together that we don't want to, we don't want to touch your glory. We don't want to say, oh, well, I want it to make me look good. No, we want this to be all for your glory, all for the glory of Jesus repent of the times we've chosen a fake glory instead. Let your glory fall in this room. Let it go forth from here to the nations, to our workplace, 
to our homes, to our friends. Let your glory fall in this room. Let it go forth from here to the nations. Let your fragrance rest in this place. As we gather to seek your face. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Just going off what God is doing, prompting people with pictures and prayers. So. Rob, you're gonna yeah, do that now. No, do that. That'd be great. Uh, it's a, a picture that came to mind uh, earlier on. Uh, I think I may have given it before, but I've seen something different in it, and it's of a huge water wheel. And uh, you'll be familiar with water wheels. They're either fed from uh, elite to the top, like overshot, or fed from underneath, which is. Uh, my understanding is an undershot, so, but they're still fed by the leet of the water. And if you've seen a water wheel m move, then um, my recollection is that if it's overshot, it can be, as the water falls down, a little bit noisier because the water falls down a, a distance. Where the undershot, and the ones that I've seen, tend to be a little bit quieter. But whether the water goes above and there's a bit more noise, or underneath, and it's quieter, it's fed by the same leet, it's fed by the same water. And we have a choice as to whether to allow the water to go down the leet to, to move. And I have a, a sense that 
many of us would like, they don't like the noise. <laughs> they don't like the noise, perhaps, of, of the water um, or perhaps what you see or what you hear. Um, even me moving, moving now um, as, as I pray. But whether you're comfortable with that noisier aspect of the Holy Spirit going over and through you and other people, or whether you're more comfortable with the quieter movement of the water underneath, it's still the same Holy Spirit. So I would encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to fill the leet and what you will see and hear, whether the water goes above or below, is still the response of the, of the Holy Spirit. So I encourage each of us just to be comfortable where we are and just to be comfortable with what we see, but allow the Holy Spirit to move. Because we can block, we can say no water, and the wheel doesn't move, and nothing changes. Thank you. Nothing to do with birthdays. <laughs> well, I actually, yeah. No, it seems every year God um, works in me a little more. Um, well, I'm sure he does in all of us. That's a silly thing to say, isn't it? Um, <laughs> um, I want to tell you about um, food. <laughs> I have an issue with food. I have a big problem with food, you can probably tell. Um, and it's been an issue all my life. Um, and it had got so bad um, at the beginning of this year, I was just eating and eating and eating. Whatever was in front of me, I was eating. And um, I'd... I can't tell you how awful it makes you feel. It's an addiction. And anyway, Patrick got up um, earlier in the year, in January, I think, and said how he'd been helped not to drink, um, that the Lord had um, freed him from drinking. And, that, and I really felt that I'd got to have prayer because I was, at, well, at the end of myself. So... Um, I came forward and um, Claire Bunting and Daff prayed for me. Um, and the upshot of that is that God, it's really hard to explain, but when you see food, it's attractive to you. I mean, you see a piece of cake and you think, oh, got to have that cake but with me I used to think oh I've got to have that cake and I've got to have another and I've got to I think I'll just have the whole lot but that I can see a cake but the pull the attraction has just disappeared and so along with God's help and slimming world <laughs> and um, the prayers of everybody I want you to give glory to God because it's him. He's made this change that was, that's been part of my whole life for 65 years. And yet that's gone. And now you can just pray 
that I keep going. And you didn't want to come up sooner because you were thinking, hang on. Yeah. But that's amazing. As I've been listening to Dan, and I've been scribbling notes, the thing that is, that story reminds me of, we must not limit God. And I believe we all do that. Um, but as one gets older, one realises that actually... If God says wait, if that means wait. But we so often want to run ahead, sort it out for ourselves, and then we limit not only God, but we then rob him of the glory. We rob him of being able to work in our lives or work in someone else's life to work in our lives. And we, it is all about him, so... That, I think, is what I've been sensing all morning, is we must not limit God. He wasn't limited by staying where he was for two more days. He raised Lazarus, um, and he can do the same for us, as long as we don't limit him by trying to sort it ourselves. And he is then robbed. He said to me a few weeks ago, See if I won't open the windows of heaven. Test me. See if I won't do it. Wow. Wow. Really sorry, band. <laughs> <laughs> um, Immeasurably More is the name of the women's group that I think we're supposed to have. And I haven't quite got a vision, or I've got bits of it. And I've spoken to a few people that haven't gathered enough people. Um, so if you qualify, if you're a woman, just to be clear, chaps, sorry, <clears throat> you've got your breakfast. They're amazing, oh, utterly amazing. We need something. We need something um, to have each other's back, to cheer each other on, to call the gold out of um, women. Um, so sorry. See, I wasn't ready, but I haven't been ready for about six months, and so I just thought I'd just have to just turn here. So I think from after Easter, once a month, probably on a Saturday morning, you're going to have to help me, because admin, arranging food, sorting stuff, looking after each other, there's going to be a lot of gaps if you don't stand with me and help me. It's That's ours, yeah. not mine. Thank you. So, um, Drop me an email, write your name on a piece of paper and put it in my pocket. Um, uh, because it's ours, it's yours and it's mine. Because we are his daughters and we have to stand together as, his, as sisters and sort, help, um, call the immeasurably more out of each other. Wow. Brilliant.